As Solomon said, that miry clay is slippery. It's, it's, it's difficult. You can't, you can't gain your foot and you can't do anything about your situation. And, and God seen when I couldn't get to him, he came to me. Church, say amen. I want you to stand just a moment and turn with me real quickly to Luke chapter number 15. And we're going to read just a couple verses. And, and I, I want to share just a little bit of what God shared with me this week. And, and I, I, I know we're in a series we're in a series, Lost. We've been preaching uh, last couple of weeks out of this uh, chapter and book of the Bible. And, uh, and I, 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 wanna, I want everybody to know. I want everybody to know. If you're here today and you're lost, Jesus is dying to run to you and wrap his arms around you and let you know that you can be saved today. Listen, he desires for you to be saved. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Say amen. Listen, if you're here today and you're saved and you're not where you need to be, if you've kind of uh, uh, slipped away and, and, and things have taken place in your life, I want you to know God will run to you just as fast as he'll run to the sinner. He'll wrap his arms around you and let you know that God, he loves you, he loves you. You know, we see sometimes, we see sometimes with young people, young people see and, 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 and make mistakes. And, and, and sometimes they have this feeling that, that because of what I did, God don't love me anymore. God don't, uh, listen, he's, listen, let me tell you something. He loved you before you did it. He loved you in the midst and he loved you after. Listen, what you do doesn't have any bearing on how he feels about you. God loves you because that's who he is. Say amen. Amen. I want you to know. Listen, we can leave here. We can leave here, whether you're saved or lost, we can leave here right with Jesus. Say amen. amen. Luke chapter 15. And, and let's read, uh, let's read, let's skip down to verse number 11. Luke 15, verse number 11. And this is very, this is a very important message. So I need as, as much uh, of your patience and, and your undivided attention. If you, if you, uh, listen, if you, you have an emergency, go ahead and take care of an emergency. But if you don't, please remain seated. I need a witness. Amen. Help me with that. I, you say, well, preacher, it's, it's just me. No, it's not. You, 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 you interfere and you interrupt somebody else that may be under deep conviction. And I'm not, like I said, if it's an emergency, God understands. But if it's not, try your best to uh, be as still as possible. Would y'all help me with that? Say amen. The Bible says in Luke 15, verse number 11, And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled the belly... His belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. When he came to himself, say amen. amen. He said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I'm perishing with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Remember that statement. That was the plan. That was his plan. He had gathered a plan together and said what he was going to tell his father. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran. Oh, he ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But his father wouldn't let him finish his sentence. It says, The father said to his servant, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be 
Mary. Father, help us today. Lord Jesus, Lord, your will be done. Speak to us, Lord. God, I don't want to go longer than I should, and I don't want to go shorter than I should. Lord, please let me be right on time, and your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. There, there are about four or five days of preaching in this chapter. Uh, we will not do that today. Amen. Uh, but there is a couple thoughts that I want to I bring out of this chapter, and I want to share with you some really, really important things I want you to know. Uh, especially, I, I, you know, sometimes we, we, put, we put a lot of emphasis on the young people. And I want you to pay attention, young people. But we all as adults, I, I, I'm, I'm as guilty as, this, as anybody in, in this situation. Uh, I, I want to be where God wants me to be. I do. I really do. I want to I accomplish and do what God wants me to do. Sometimes we, we, we have issues that come up. Sometimes there are distractions that come up. And a lot of times we put a lot of emphasis on the young people that, because we don't want them to go that route. We want better for them than what we had. Is that true? We don't want them to make the same mistakes we make and, and so forth and so on. But I think we can all look at this, this picture and this story and, and really glean some help from it. The original, the original application that we find in this chapter, Jesus is dealing with Pharisees that had an issue with them hanging out with sinners. He had, they had issues with him making sinners a priority. They had issues with him spending more time with sinners than they would him. And he is trying to explain to them how important it is that we reach the lost. He said, I, I did not come to be ministered to. I came to minister. I came to be a servant. I came to give my life for sinners. It's not the well that need a physician. It is the sick. I am come to seek and to save that which was lost. They couldn't get that. They didn't understand that. So he tells the story of the, the, the sheep that was lost, and we covered that. The one lost sheep, it was better to leave the 90 and 9 and go find that one. Priority was given to that one to go bring that sheep into the fold. Listen, then he talks about the one who lost the silver, the young lady who lost the silver, and how important that was. And it was, it was so sentimental, and she did everything she could. She lit a candle. She swept the house. She did everything to find that peace, and she didn't stop till she found it. Well, in this story, it's, he, he, he is more, he is more uh, dealing with the Pharisees and, and that, the, the, that, 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 that mad son, the one that got angry because they had a party for the one that wasted everything. That was the Pharisees. He said, you're upset because I'm sitting here with sinners, but you don't understand. One day, listen, we're going to have heaven. We're going to have glory. Why why be upset that we spend so much time for sinners down here? Because one day we got it all. And that's the point of the story. But as we look and study the story of this boy that leaves, there's three things that God showed me this week, and I want to share that with you. Number one. If you, if you got your bulletin, there's a, there's a thing for notes in there. You can fill, fill that out and follow with it. Uh, but first thing I want you to see, number one, a far country. A far country. The Bible says this boy came to his father, and he said, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And then it says, he divided unto them. Who is the them? The two sons. He divided unto the two sons his living. In other words, he came to his father and said, Father, I wish you... Basically, he didn't say it, but this is what he meant. I wish you were dead. I would rather have my inheritance now. I want what is coming to me after you die. It would be You would be better off to me dead. Are y'all with me? Give me my inheritance now. He didn't have a good relationship with his father. Uh, uh, not that his father was a bad guy. I believe his father was a good guy. 
But, but he, his relationship was not what it, what it should have been. And he takes that, uh, 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 that living, he takes that inheritance. And the Bible says, not many days after, he took it and went, gathered all together and went to a, a far country. A far country. Now, let me say something about the far country. Write this down. There's two, two, two little uh, subpoints I want you to write here. I want you to see it has a powerful pull. There is a pull that's powerful. Listen, this far country doesn't necessarily mean you got to go to Vegas to be in a far country. Do you realize the far country always starts in the heart? I believe that boy was out there working in the field and all he could think was them bright city lights. All he could think was about his own freedom. All he could think about was what I want to do it my way. I want to have my way. I'm sick and tired of my father telling me what to do. Probably sick and tired of his older brother leading him around. He said, I'll be glad when I get out on my own. I can do my own thing. Go where I want to go. Do what I want to do. I can live my life the way I want to live my life. And you know what? That's exactly the attitude that this world, this culture, and the devil is pushing on us and our young people right now. It's a powerful pull. What makes us so powerful? I believe it was because of our own nature. Nobody likes to be told they're wrong. Nobody. I don't care who you are. Nobody likes to be told what to do. It's just against our nature. We do not like to be told what to be. Listen, we don't like to be ordered around. Uh, it's funny. A young man said, I'm tired of being told what to do. I'm joining the military. <laughs> you go right ahead right there. Amen. But it is a pull that the devil uses. He flashes freedom. Freedom. Do your own thing. Listen. But he has... N- Listen, most people have no idea the bondage that's attached to that false freedom. But it pulls. The Bible says there is, there is pleasure in sin for a... Now, we can kid ourselves. We can kid ourselves and try to tell these young people, Oh, it's not fun. Don't get out there. When they go out there and sin, they're going to know you're lying. We don't need to tell them it's not fun. It is fun. It is pleasurable. It wouldn't be so tempting. What the problem is, is with every bait, there's a hook in it. And the Bible says that God wants you to have that fun that you're wanting to have. God wants you to have that joy that you're wanting to have. God wants you to have everything that the devil is simply offering you now, but he wants you to do it the right way, in a way that is not harmful to you. The devil wants you to do it in a way that's going to bring death, but God wants you to do it in a way that's going to bring life and joy, satisfaction and contentment. The devil wants you to jump in the back of a car with a boy or with a girl. He wants you to do it in a way that could leave you, listen, uh, uh, pregnant, unwed. He wants to leave you in a way that you might have a venereal disease. And listen, broken relationships and broken sad memories and regrets the rest of your life. But God wants you to do it with somebody that's madly in love with you. Somebody that's going to stick with you thick and thin. Somebody that's going to be there, listen, at the dropping off point. And when the dropping off point, they drop off with you. They'll be there till Jesus comes. That's what God wants for you. But this temptation, this pull is so powerful. Listen, all that boy could think about, be careful young people. Listen, be careful adults where you take your kids because sometimes you might get out, but they may never get it out of their mind. That far country starts in the heart. He was already there before he left home. 
And that powerful pull, that, that pull that pulled that young man. But then, not only is there a pull that's powerful, but write this down. There is a, there is a pattern that's pitiful. There is a pattern that's pitiful. What are you talking about? The Bible says when he got to that far country, he wasted. Say that word with me. He He wasted his substance with riotous living. There's only one pattern for the far country. That's waste. That's waste. Everything. Now look at this. You say, what did he waste? What did he waste? Everything that the father gave him. Everything that came from the father. What do you mean? I don't know how many people I know that's got talent out of this world. I mean, they could play instruments out of this world, and all they are doing it is wasting it in the world. Half the, half the people in country music stars, half the people in rock and roll, listen, they started in a choir in a church one day. They started when their mama put them up on a stool and said, sing for the glory of God, and they were pulled by the bright city lights, and now they're wasting their substance on riotous living. Elvis Presley started singing for Jesus and died in his own vomit because a far country pulled him away from where God wanted him to be. It's pitiful. Wasting lives. Wasting away. Doing this, bringing no happiness. Going here, doing their own thing. Yes, they have that freedom. Yes, they're doing their own thing. Yes, I have my way. But what do you have to show for it? Wasting away. No joy. No excitement, no happiness. Listen, Solomon knew something about that. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 2, he said, Whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I'd labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. There was no profit under the sun. What's that mean? He said, I did everything the world had to offer. I had everything the world had to offer. And when I got through experiencing it, doing it, going there, having that, buying this and buying that, I had everything the world had to offer. And I was just as empty when I finished as when I started. But the devil will tell these young people, boy, if you could just do what you want to do. Boy, if you could just have that kind of money, if you could just have that kind of fame, if you could just have that kind of fortune. Boy, I started looking up people this week. Started looking at people before and after, looking at people with fame. Britney Spears, Lindsay Lohan, all these type people. Robert Downey Jr. Money, fame, everything they could imagine and end up in a mug shot. Just totally distressed and destroyed. Why? There was a pull that was powerful, but then there was a pattern that's pitiful. Wasted it away. Listen. Athletes, movie stars, making millions of dollars in their lifetime. Mike Tyson, God-awful amounts of money to be broke. Why? The far country always does the same thing. It always, it's the same pattern no matter who you are or what it is. You'll waste it away. You'll waste it away. Not only do we see a far country. Can y'all see this? Can you, does this make sense? This far country is not Alaska. This is not Vegas. This is that, that culture, that worldly culture that's trying to pull you in. It's trying to pull you in. But then number two, not only is there a far country, but then number two, I've seen this. There was a failed chase. 
a failed chase. You say, what are you talking about? Chasing something that you'll never find. Have y'all ever, anybody ever had a dog that would chase its own tail? Anybody ever had that? They're the funniest thing you've ever seen in your life. They'll sit there and they'll growl first. And then here they go. And especially them stubby tail ones, come on now. Chasing something they're never going to catch. Never going to find. They'll wear themselves out to exhaustion and fall over and still never find what they're chasing. This boy was chasing fame. This boy was chasing fortune. He was chasing a good time. But he spent all. This chase. Millions of Americans are doing it every day. They're trying to find satisfaction in the world. They're trying to find satisfaction in their job. They're they're trying to find satisfaction in a hobby. Spending millions and millions of dollars on, on, on idolatrous worship of sports. And finding themselves empty. When it's all said and done, what do I have to show for? A failed chase. How you know? Write this down, eh? We see it's a failed chase because the substance is spent. It said when he wasted his substance on riotous living, the Bible said there came a point and time, and there will always come this point in time. And when he had spent all. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that a man with money hath many friends till he runs out. And you will run out. The devil will give you enough slack. I, 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 would, I used to go fishing with my, my cousin. He has a, one, of them, one of them big uh, uh, offshore fishing boats where you troll for sailfish and dolphin and all that kind of stuff. Not flipper, by the way. Mahi-mahi. Amen. Kind you can't eat. Uh, but when you're, when you're fishing for sailfish, when you're fishing for sailfish, when you see a sailfish come up, because a lot of times you can see them from the tower, you can see the shadow come up under the bait, and it's, the bait's on top of the water, you're trolling, and, 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 when one, and even when one hits it, they don't always get it the first time. So you've got to take the rod real quickly and start pulling out drag because you want that bait to act like it died when that sailfish hit it. So that that sailfish, he'll keep following, he'll keep following. But it'll, you just keep getting, your boat's still moving, but you are keep giving it slack, keep giving it slack, keep giving it slack. So that, that that selfish realizes, I have killed that fish, now I'm going back to swallow it. Do you realize the devil will do that? Right. He'll do that. You say, what in God's name are you talking about? You might not get caught the first time. Right. You might have got away with it the first time and nothing happened. Right. Oh, but preacher, everything's fine. Nothing's going wrong with my life. My, my life's just fine, just like it is. Let me tell you why. Because the devil keeps giving you slack. Because he wants you to swallow it all the way down. He don't want to miss it when he sets the hook. He wants you to get it all the way down. So when he sets the hook, you are caught. Nobody that ever, listen, did anything ever thought they'd get caught or they wouldn't have done it. And listen, the devil's just smart enough to know you got to give him some slack. You got to let it slide. You got to let him get away with it for a little bit. 
And then you will spin off. I guarantee, I don't know how long it took. I don't know if it was weeks. I don't know if it was months. It could have been years that this boy's out here wasting his life away. But that day's coming. You're going to spend all. And you're going to turn around, and all those friends, so-called friends, you thought you had, all those people that was your best buds, all those people, when they find out you have nothing else they can cipher off of you and suck off of you, they're gone. The Bible says he turned around one day in this far country that had offered so much fun, that had offered so much joy, that had offered so much. He turns around one day and he's empty. He's, he has nothing. Nobody. So how do you know he didn't have any friends? Because the Bible said no man gave unto him. I don't know about you, but if my friend's hungry, I'm going to give him some bread. If my friend's thirsty, I'm going to give him something to drink. If my friend needs a place to stay, I'm going to let him stay in the room. Are y'all with me? So that proves right there, all those people he was piling with. Where were they at? He spent all. Not only do we see a substance that was spent, but then we see, B, write this down, a situation is sent. A situation, this is amazing. God has a way of getting your attention. There was a story in the Bible, and I heard a preacher preach on a while back, of, of barley fields being burnt. Absalom was being summoned, and the man that was summoning him, he wouldn't ever answer him. So he went and set his fields on fire. And Absalom said, man, why'd you set my fields on fire? He said, you wouldn't answer me when I called you. How many of y'all realize God will set your fields on fire? How do you know? Ask Jonah. Jonah was running from God 100 miles an hour. He knew the direction God told him to go. He knew the plan that God told him to fulfill. And he went the other way. It's amazing when you read the story of Jonah. Every time he took a step, the Bible says he went down. He went down to Tarshish. He went down into the ship. He went down into the belly of the fish. Amen. Listen, you cannot go anywhere but down when you run from God. You can't. Well, what situation are you talking about? The Bible says as soon as he had spent all, God's timing is impeccable. As soon as he had spent time, there arose a mighty famine in that land. Just happened to be a coincidence. It's where the prodigal was. What are you saying? For every Jonah, there's a storm waiting on you. There's a fish waiting on you. For every Peter who says, I go back to fishing. I'm going to go back to my old ways. I'm going to do this. You're going to have empty nets waiting on you, man. God standing on the bank saying, how you doing? He said, children, have you any meat? What are you saying? God's not going to let you, God's not going to let you slide. You belong to him. You're way too important to him. He has paid way too much for you just to let you get away with it and go away without him sending a situation in your life to get your attention and to bring you back home. God did not send. By the way, 
By the way, that thing that you think is discipline, it was love. Because if that fish hadn't have come, he would have drowned in the middle of that sea. But God sent a fish. It was hell on earth. But when he was through with him, he was in the place that God wanted him to go. And even when God disciplines us in our life, it is for our best interest and it is for our best protection. He sent a situation. He sent a famine. He sent a famine. Why? Because there's no motivation like hunger. That's why the Bible says if a man don't work, he shouldn't eat. And if he don't work, you shouldn't feed him. Even the, the I was going to say something bad. Even the people in Washington will tell you, don't feed the bears. At Yellowstone and any other park, don't feed the bears. Why? If you feed them, they will get used to that and they won't go work for themselves to find their own food. And then when the hand that feeds them goes away, they'll starve to death. Duh. You'll do anything for food. Nothing will motivate like hunger. People have been in such a way in plane crashes that they would eat other human flesh. And before you say something... Oh, I wouldn't ever, no, be, be careful. I'm just telling you, hunger is a motivating factor. And the Bible says that as soon as he ran out of money, I mean, as soon as he had spent all, God sent a famine. How you know? Because he controls it. What are you saying? You might be in that spending mode right now. You might be in that, that riotous mode right now. You might be thinking you're having the time of your life right now. But honey, you're going to spend all and there comes a famine every time. Every time. Every time. Did you hear me? Every time. Stop running. You're not going to get away with it. Stop running from God. It's not going to go away. Stop running from God. He's not going to stop chasing you. Stop thinking you can get away with it. It won't work. He's bigger than you. He's coming. And he'll send one situation after another. One situation after another. One si- How many of y'all could? I can. How many of y'all know I'm telling the truth by experience? God will send one thing after another. Yeah, go ahead and run. Turn that corner. God's got something on that side of the wall too. You ain't going to outrun him and you ain't going to outlive him. You sure ain't going to outsmart him. This chase, this thing you're trying to find, it's not there. That's what I'm saying. Quit running because it's not there. You're chasing something that's not there. You're chasing a ghost. It's not there. But what, what do we do then? We not only see a far country, we see a failed chase, but then this is the most important thing. We see a father's character. I was going to put, Miss Kathy, I was going to put compassion right there. A father's compassion. The father had compassion and ran to him. But God showed me something a little different. He did have compassion. That's part of his character. I'm I'm not denying that. But this is what I want you to see. This father's character was in such a way What was the first thing the son thought about when he got hungry? His father. 
He thought about the one he thought he couldn't stand and didn't want to be around when he got hungry. Some of y'all are getting it. Our father's character is in such a way you can't deny him. You can't ignore it. His, his character is so impeccable. His pattern is so real. His, his history and his record is so impeccable. You cannot mistake that, hey, he is good. My father even takes care of his servants better than the way I'm being treated right now. Listen, this father's character, it stirred a memory. A, it stirred a memory. Now, I want to I preach, preach to some daddies right now because I failed in this bad, and I want to change that. And I, I, I'm telling you, I, I, I want to change that. And listen, uh, fathers, we need to make it in such a way that if our children ever decide to stray, and they may very well do that, uh, that, that is a great possibility that could happen. But you need to be in such a way that, listen, when they do hit the bottom, when they do spend all, when they do run into a famine, the first thing they think about is daddy is a very good person. And home is a lot better place to be than where I'm at right now. We see a memory that stirs him. Listen, that memory of his father, this, listen, it moved in his heart. He began to think about his father's love. He probably began to think about the tears that were dripping off his father's face when he left town. He began to think about, listen, all that the father had given him and all that the father would do even for the servants. I mean, his father was even good to the servants. And here I am being mistreated. Here I am starving to death. Here I am needing to eat hog slop. But I've got a father who loves his servants enough to provide them everything they need. I'm here to tell you, honey, God loves you with every fiber of his being. And I don't care what the devil's lied to you about. I don't care how far away from God that you are. I don't care how far out in sin you've gotten. You have got a father that loves you. You've got a father that cares. You've got a father that will run to you wherever you are and bring you home listen I got a father who cares hallelujah not only the, the memory that he stirs but then we're talking about his character now his character is in such a way it makes that boy think about his father and then B don't you see the ministry that he shows Ministry that he shows. Talk is cheap, y'all. Talk is cheap. This old boy. <laughs> he said, and to give you a little, to give you a little help, the Bible said when he came to himself. What does that mean? That means when a child of God gets away from God, he's not himself. You can claim temporary insanity. What else does it mean? If he came to himself, that means he wasn't himself. What's that mean? That means, hey, God sees that ain't, that ain't really you. God sees that's not me that I'm seeing. You're in the image of God. 
You're a child of the king. You've taken a nature of the father. But the father knows sometimes we'll get ignorant and we'll leave the father like we shouldn't. And I know I've been there. I know that. But God says, I know that's not really you. But when you come to yourself, what am I doing here? Peter came to himself and said, man, what am I doing in this boat? We ain't caught a blessed thing all night. He just bails overboard and goes to Jesus. You can come to yourself. The Bible says this, I will arise and go to my father. Now I'll say unto him, I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. I'm going to do that. I heard this. He dropped the pail, jumped the rail, and hit the trail. Knowing you in the hog pen ain't enough. You got to get up and go home. Repentance is not knowing you need it. Repentance is doing something about it. You can sit in the hog pen with regret all you want to sit, and that won't change your situation. But when you get to a place you're so sick and tired of, you don't want it no more, you're going to get up and go home. Come home. Come home. What are, they, what are, they, what are they going to think? They'll throw a party. If they're right with Jesus, they'll throw a party. And if they won't throw a party, you're in the wrong place. We will throw a party at the drop of a hat. And we will go buy a hat to drop. Listen, we will. Bless God. You just come on home. Don't you worry about it. Amen? Amen. What am I going to get when I get there? Well, let's see. First, the father received him. He ran to him, fell upon his neck, kissed him. Has anybody ever had hogs? Hogs? Anybody hogs? Hogs. Raise your hand. Hogs. Swine? Pigs? Pigs? Have anybody ever had slop hogs before? Slop hogs. Do you realize you can be 50 feet away from a hog, throw the slop to them, and that stank will still get on you? Y'all laugh, but if you slop hogs, you know I'm telling Am I telling the truth? There will be no doubt what you've done today. You slop hogs today, didn't you? What are you trying to say? Some of y'all have been somewhere so bad, so, so, in such a way that you feel so guilty about coming to God because everybody's going to know what you did, where you are, whatever. I guarantee you that father smelled him before he ever got there. He didn't check up. He didn't slow up until he had his arms wrapped around him. <laughs> he received him. He received him. Then he restored him. Uh, Mackenzie, come here a minute. You ain't no son, but you'll do. <laughs> Listen, this is my baby. Ain't it right? Yeah. <laughs> when I was little, when I was little, I used to go into my, my dad's closet.
closet when he wasn't there? And I would get one of his suits, and I'd take it. I'd take it, and I'd, I'd put it on. And that's what I'd look like. But the thing is, when I would put it on, my dad, when he would use cologne, he'd... That's our secret. I hope he comes to the second service, amen. But when I'd put his coat on, it smelled like him. And when you're the big kahuna, and you say, go get the best robe. Who's the best robe belong to? The daddies. Daddy said, go get my robe. He said, put it on him. Listen, he came to me smelling like a hog. But when I get my robe on him, he going to smell like me. He said, put the best robe on him. And he said, put a ring on his finger. Shoes on his feet. What does that mean? There was a day the son came to his father and said, give me. And he lost it all. But when he said, daddy, just... Just, just make me. He humbled and said, just make me a servant. I don't care anymore. I'm not smarter than you anymore. I don't even know what's happening anymore. I just know I'm tired of this. I, just make me. Everything he was looking for in the far country, he got when he come home. He went for friendship. He went for jewelry. He went for the finest robes. He went for all of that. He went for the party. And he ended up in a hog pen. But when he come home, listen, the devil's going to lie. The devil's going to tell you a lie. Just come home. Just come back to God. Just come back to where you know you need to be. Are y'all with me? He received him. Then he restored him. Put that ring and shoes on the seat. Servants didn't wear shoes. That was only for the family. He was letting everybody know, he's my son. He not only received, but he restored. Then he rejoiced. He said, it's time to party. My son was dead, now he's alive. My son was lost, and now he's found. That's exactly what God will do for you today. Listen, I want to play this little short video, and we're going to have an invitation. I've seen this, and I can't help it. We've got, we got to play this. In 1992, in 1992, there was a, 
a sprinter by the name of Derek Redmond. He was running the Olympics. He was favored to win probably the fastest in that, that particular race. Probably the fastest in that particular race. And, and, and he was running, doing, doing well. And he tore his hamstring. He tore his hamstring and collapsed in pain. And I want to show you something. I want to show you what God will do for you today. Let's, let's, let's watch. If you'll put that up, get them lights for me. It's just, just about three or four minutes, three minutes, and, and then, then we're going to have our invitation.
Are you hurt this morning? Have you been running your race? And the devil tripped you up. Derek, 